Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by C-Spot Go Green. Really? Yeah, you bet. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Dave Carter joining us here today. And, you know, the, the deal is this. As, uh, as all of us eco-conscious Americans become more aware of our food choices and how we affect the planet, we are also looking at natural food products. And so uh, we're, we're going to be talking today with Dave Carter about, you know, this movement to move our our animal friends, their foods, to become in line with what we eat. And so we just had Dr. Suzanne Seeley on the show talking about what she has learned. And the question is this. If you're not going to go in the direction that she pointed out and still going to continue on the path that you're on, what changes can you make so that you know that what you're giving your animal friends is of the caliber and the quality of what you'd put in your own mouth? And so Dave Carl Carter is joining me here today as an eco-advocate and former chairman of the USDA National Organic Standards Board. And he pioneered an initiative to change the way we feed family pets. And so, uh, you know, this is in, in the spirit and in the service of contributing to the dignity of our environment and Mother Earth. Dave, welcome to the show. Hello, Dr. Pat. How are you? You know, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good, thank you. You know, we started in December, we started Dr. Pat's Green Christmas Challenge. And it's a website, and it was a challenge that we put on the table for our listeners to look at one thing that they could change in their lives, one thing they could do differently around the Christmas holiday season. And, you know, within a week, that website was receiving 2 million page views a day. And, you know, I don't know if it was the idea of going green or if it was the idea of breaking this down into simple street smart terms for people so that they know that there are things they could change. And so that's what I want to talk with you about today, because part of this is moving away from all of the blame and all of the shame and putting our effort in to creating positive change. So, you know, the 82-year-old woman in Jersey that I spoke with that decided to take the challenge of buying organic broccoli instead of regular broccoli is contributing. So welcome to the show today. You know, what have you seen, Dave, in your, uh, let's call it your journey, your experience with the evolution of going green and how is this now affecting our animal friends? Well, let me, let me just take it back over the last 30 years. I mean, I've been at this for about the last 30 years working primarily with family farmers and ranchers here in the U.S. who don't want to get on the, the factory farm treadmill or, or don't want to go down that path of industrial agriculture, and they've been looking for alternatives. And when I started off 30 years ago, we, we were spending a lot of time in Washington, D.C., thinking that maybe a better farm policy was going to help help us out and the like. But in reality, uh, as, as we move forward, what's really making the big difference are those folks that are making those little changes every day in what they buy. 
in how they feed themselves and, and recognizing that not only what we eat uh, affects how long and how well we live, but also the, the diets we feed our children and now the way we feed our companion animals can, can not only uh, keep our families, including our companion animals, healthier, but can make a big, big difference in the environment and, and the health of agriculture and, and the environment around us. And that's kind of what led us to, to back into the, into the pet food business. Um, we, my background, again, is, is working in agriculture. And, and a few years back, we were actually working with some ranchers who wanted to start a natural meat business. Uh, they wanted to get out in the marketplace with, with meat that's produced without the growth hormones and the antibiotics. But the problem that we faced before was that they could always get a good price for those, those high-quality steaks, the New York strips and the tenderloins. But unless they got more value out of some of the other cuts of, of meat, the things like the trim that you make the, the hamburger out of or the hearts and the livers, they couldn't, they couldn't recapture their cost and they couldn't stay in business. And so we kind of backed into the, into the idea of doing pet food as, as a way of saying, gosh, is there a way that we can give those family farmers and ranchers some more income for those cuts of meat by producing a pet food? And then once we got into it and started looking at what goes into most pet foods, uh, our jaws dropped. And we said, you know, there's a need for this in the marketplace. We know that, that consumers out there want to feed their pets a better diet. If we can make that connection between the American family farmer and those consumers, we're going to have healthier pets. We're going to change the way the livestock are raised, and we're going to help clean up the environment. You know, so, you know, what we have also is, you know, part of uh, the package we received is this book, How Dog Food Saved the Earth, a tale about everyday ordinary people. And, you know, I, I'll tell you that uh, for us, when we discovered or when the news got out that our dog food and, and other food was being contaminated, you know, right here on the Dr. Pat show, we made an effort to educate and inform our listeners and, you know, put our foot forward. But the question is how that dog food saved the earth, I think, is not only a question we need to talk about, but look at the long-range ramifications of, from a positive point of view of what we discovered with the contaminated food. Well, and that's the, the thing. I think what happened uh, a year ago with that big recall, uh, you know, all the ingredients from China that got into the, into the pet food, that was a real wake-up call. For, for a lot of folks. I think that in the back of our minds, most of us have known through, through the years that, yeah, you know, the pet food business is probably kind of sketchy, what, what goes into it. But a lot of folks have said, well, you know what, I'm going to try and do better for my pets, so I'm going to go out and, and buy one of these premium brands, and I'm going to trust that they're going to do the right thing for, for my companion animal. And all of a sudden, one day last March, they woke up and they looked at this recall list of, of brands, and there were some of those premium brands right next to some of the cheapest stuff you could find, all of it being recalled. And so I think folks have said, gosh, we need to, you know, we need to dig into this. We need to roll up our sleeves and, and really do our homework here. Here's, here's what's important to note is that the pet food industry has been based for years and years and years essentially on making products with the cheapest stuff you could find. And what that's meant is that, number one, is sourcing ingredients from conventional, you know, factory farm animals, the, the animals that are raised with the growth hormones and the antibiotics. 
But then using so much of the, the products that are rejected for the human food, um, there's actually a category that's called 4D. The USDA uses that to describe animals that were either dead, dying, diseased, or disabled before they were processed. And those are all the animals that go into conventional pet food. Well, when we start off, we said, you know, let's, let's change that model. Let's sit down with some of the folks that are raising animals the right way without the hormones and the antibiotics, and let's see if we can't offer them, pay them a premium for certain ingredients, like the liver, the hearts, and the, and the trim, or the frame meat for, for uh, poultry, and develop a long-term relationship with folks right here in the U.S. that's going to help them grow that sector of, of natural livestock, uh, while giving us the, the good ingredients. And so that's the model we built it around. And through the, through the years, we actually then have taken a look, and, and our product's called Pet Promise, and we took the, the, the recipe and we, we took the amount of food that a 40-pound dog would eat over the course of a year. And we actually worked the math back that by feeding uh, a 40-pound dog uh, this type of food for a year, you're really helping to eliminate roughly 2,000 daily doses of antibiotics that are given to livestock in, in agriculture, and you're helping to eliminate over 650 daily doses of growth hormones that, that are given to livestock. And so, you know, by, by changing our pet's diet, we can really help encourage these family farmers and ranchers to increase these herds of animals that don't have these these hormones and antibiotics used in their production. That creates healthier food, and to me that creates a much healthier environment. You know, so we have come full circle, and it has been a year, and, you know, it seems like it was just yesterday since we were getting stories from our listeners of how sickly their animals, uh, friends, have gotten. And, you know, we're looking back at the world, and we're looking at that experience. And people have said to me, because our show is about living life full out, it's about stepping out into the world, and even in the face of catastrophe and disaster, looking at what the shift from a positive perspective can do. And as I look back for a year, and I look back, Dave, at what's happened, had we not have gone through that crisis that we did, we would not be made aware of what was actually being put in the food, and we could have probably gone on for a really long time. Well, you know, I think that's true in, in so many areas that as long as we're oblivious to what's going on and, and what's really behind some of these things, we just kind of, you know, we just keep whistling and, and walking along and, and telling ourselves that the, there's no impact. And, and when you think about that, I mean, this is a problem that's, that's faced us in our whole food system and in our whole farming system here in the United States. We've, we've traditionally measured efficiency, for example, by whoever can produce something at the cheapest cost. And to me, there's no, there's no question that, you know, a pork chop that comes out of a, a hog raised in one of these big factory farms uh, can be sold cheaper in the, in the grocery store than, than one that comes off of a, a, a family farm produced from a natural animal. But when you think about it, these, these big industrial hog operations, for example, will typically have 10,000 sows or mama pigs in, in one operation. And each one of those mama pigs produces about 20, uh, you know, offspring a year. So 
through the course of a year, that 10,000 sow operation produces as much sewage as a city of 250,000 people. Now, if you have a city of 250,000 people, you have to build a waste treatment plant and do all of these things. But if you have a 10,000 sow facility out there, many cases you can go out and dig a pit and line it with clay and just dump that sewage out there um, where it's eventually going to get into the soil. It's going to get into the groundwater. And then we're going to have to pay the EPA or the EPA is going to have to pay some folks to come in and clean it up. So what is the true cost of that cheap pork chop? When we measure it in terms of the way that animals are treated, the way that workers are treated in in those facilities, and the way that our environment is treated, it's much more efficient for us to pay the real cost of rewarding that family farmer who's taking care of the environment by buying the pork chop that's raised from humanely and raised without the hormones and the antibiotics. And in the end, we benefit from that because it's a better tasting product and it's better for us. So that's where you're exactly on the right track is these changes don't have to be sacrifices. They're really things that help us improve our quality of life. Well, Dave, thank you so much. And we're going to talk more about this when we come back from our break. Uh, we're here, you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And when we come back, the question is, what can each of us do? What kind of awareness can we be part of? Dr. Suzanne Seely, before uh, this segment, talked about how information is so important. Dave Carter joining me here today. We've got lots to share. We'll be right back. Diets and drugs only address symptoms of ill health rather than providing solutions to the problems, such as weight gain and chronic pain. Spending just 30 minutes in a portable sauna that uses far-infrared technology can burn 600 calories, rid your body of toxins, and reduce pain. If you're tired of quick fixes that don't work, Consider the long-term solution. Detox America's portable far-infrared sauna. Call 888-338-6987 or visit DetoxAmerica.com. From a place of special energy, the Sedona tools are specially crafted to work with the disruptive emotional energies of traumatic experience. You can release and resolve the past. Move gracefully through the present and attract the future you wish with power that's already yours. Your intent and creative visualization. Now work with the right tools. Visit thesedonatools.com. Are you one of the millions of frustrated people who can't take off weight or keep it off on a low-fat or low-calorie diet? It's hard, isn't it? Well, don't despair another day. The Sugar-Free Miracle Diet is the answer to your prayers. I'm Karen Bentley, and I lost 130 pounds on this program. I'm also the founder and CEO of the Sugar-Free Miracle Diet Company. Go to SugarFreeMiracle.com, that's SugarFreeMiracle.com, and get started today. I'm Dr. Pat Basile, the host of the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Let me help you take your empowering message to a community of people looking for products and services that value all life on earth and tap into the one true freedom we have, the freedom to choose. Let our listeners choose you. Join the buzz and be the buzz. Sponsor the Dr. Pat Show. Call me at 206-523-5522. That's 206-523-5522. 
Hi, this is Glenn Brooks from the Vibrant Living Radio Network. From terminal normalities to abundant realities, how do we craft and design more abundance in our lives? And how do we allow for more possibilities? Join me and my international team of contributors. Please join me in this exploration and become part of the Vibrant Living family, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., right here on Seattle's Alternative Talk, AM 1150, KKNW. Your life's precious and giant. Find the tools and resources and discover a new way of accessing those. Tune in your radio to hear Carrie O'Connor, master visionary, medium, and clairvoyant, as she uses her amazing psychic gifts to help you step into your divine power and begin to create the life of your dreams. Carrie will read your unique energy field, connecting you with the treasures of your soul, your passions, and your true life purpose. Don't miss Carrie's weekly astounding and energetic predictions. Fasten your seatbelt as you take a wild ride with Carrie O'Connor. Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific. Listen live at thedrpatshow.com. No shirt, no shoes, no problem. Come as you are. Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. Dave Carter joining me here today. And, you know, there are promises that we make. We make them to our children. We make them to our friends. We make them to ourselves. And now we're making them to our animal friends. And so Dave Carter is joining me here today where we're talking about the Pet Promise Mission, changing the way farm animals are raised and companion animals are fed, was always envisioned as a team effort. In doing that, Dave, what would you like our listeners? to know how might they participate to become part of this team? Well, I think that each of us in, in our own way can make those changes in, in our lives and, and what we buy in trying to become more informed. And you know, our, our mission is uh, centered around companion animals. So whatever you're, you're feeding your pet, obviously we, we like to promote pet promise, but you know whatever folks are feeding their pets, we think that it's very, very important that they really start to look at that ingredient panel and understand where those products, where those ingredients may be coming from, because what they do in the marketplace when they go into the grocery store and make those purchases, that plays a huge role in determining what the future of uh, farming is going to look like in this country and what, the, what our environment is going to look like. So, you know, Dave, when we we take a look at what we can do in the everyday aspect of our lives, I mean, it is a truly a complex, um, a complex situation. I mean, I don't I don't really make light of it at all because I understand the system that we work in. You know, it's not like we can go back to, you know, the cavemen and women and maybe look at how they discovered, you know, fire and how actually the first piece of cooked meat actually happened. I mean, we're living in modern times right now. We're living in a time where we not only have more information passing in front of us than we have, we've ever had, but I think each of us are being asked to do more and to get involved more. And so when we look at the promise, when we look at what's happening in the world, what are the actions that you are asking people to take? Well, first of all, let's just start to rethink our our definition of, of some of the assumptions that we've had. I mean, what is the most efficient way to, to feed the world? Um, historically, it's gone to let's, uh, let's source 
our ingredients. Let's source our food from wherever it can be grown the cheapest uh, because the, the cost of fuel is cheap. And so, you know, you can pay somebody uh, a dollar a day to grow something in, in, uh, in one of the developing countries and then process it and fly it or ship it across the ocean. And I think that the more we start to take a look at reducing the, the, the miles that our food comes from, and that includes our, our pet food, trying to source it from local producers, that really helps us in, in many ways. And then it goes beyond diet. Uh, you know, when we go into the grocery store and we're buying foods for ourselves and our companion animals, you bet, that's a starting point. But then let's just take a look at everything else around us. And again, our companion animals can play a huge role in helping us with that. If you think about the fact that, you know, so often we go out and we fertilize the yard, uh, we may spray it with some or, or fertilize it with some weed and feed, and then we, you know, go in and we mop the, the floor with, uh, with ammonia, and, and we're doing all these things. Here comes Fido running across the lawn and across the floor and then decides to give himself a bath and is licking his paws to give himself a bath. All of those toxins are going right into their environment. Oh, my God. What a, what a, an image. But, you know, you're so right about that. We don't even think about that stuff. No, and if we can start to think about our, our pets as, you know, to use the old uh, mine shaft analogy, they're the canary in the mine shaft. If we think about all the ways they're so low to the ground, they're in direct contact with all of these substances, and if we can just start to look at them and say, I'm going to reduce their exposure to all of these toxins, then we start to think about ways that we can keep our yard, you know, healthy without putting all of those chemical fertilizers and pesticides on it. We think about ways we can keep our homes clean without using those, those toxic cleaners because there are good alternatives out there in the market today. There are small companies who are trying to gain a foothold, but the more people come to embrace those companies, the more they're going to be able to grow their business and provide us with those alternatives to the harsh chemicals that are all around us. Well, you know, I, I jokingly told a story on the show, and, you know, I, I, I've done this a little bit, uh, a little while ago. Uh, but I grew up in Jersey, so to speak, and, and I grew up in an Italian family. And there's a scene from The Godfather uh, that I know everybody has, has seen The Godfather. I don't know which one it is. I think it was one. But it was the scene where Marlon Brando actually collapses. He's out in the backyard, right? Mm -hmm. He's got the little kid running around the tomatoes. I know it well, This is yeah. so... This is so like my family deal, okay? He's got the little kid running around with the tomato. Right. So the, the little kid has got this tin can, right? Right. Right. You know the scene I'm talking yep. about. And so the kid is bringing the can, and then Marlon Brando is chasing him with the can. This is so much of what, in that generation, we grew up with inhaling this stuff we didn't know much about it and you know now we are so aware of the consequences of this and yet at the same time there is such an effort right now to withhold information about what truly is going on how can we as I like to say, how can we help to really blow the lid off of the secrets behind what's going on and let people know the real deal? Well, the, you know, the first thing is it, sort of a twofold thing. To the extent that we can is to, to make better informed choices when we go to the grocery store. But the other thing we all need to do is demand to our policymakers that, that they allow us to have the information because... You're absolutely right. There is a huge campaign being waged right now by the company that makes bovine growth hormones yeah. to, to prohibit 
dairy producers and, and milk bottlers from informing the public that the, the dairy product is produced from animals that weren't administered a BGH or BST, what they call it. So, you know, that's, that is a, a huge issue is to make sure that these companies have the right, that our producers have the ability to tell us what is or isn't in those products. To me, one of the most egregious things I've seen in, in recent years is that the Food and Drug Administration now has, is allowing uh, meat and dairy products from cloned animals to come into the marketplace. And as a part of that, they've said that companies don't have to label those products as coming from cloned animals. Well, Dave, we're going to have to talk about that in another show because that's that whole cloning thing is a whole nother conversation. It is. I'll it tell is. you about it. Yep, absolutely. Thank you, Dave, for joining us here today on the Dr. Pat Show. Uh, we're going to be right back. We're going to be back with Bradford Rand going green in New York City, joining me there, and Lou Paradise. Say goodbye to oral pain relief. We'll be right back. Oh, I've been. Yeah, please.